Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. My name is Rick. I'm joined today by Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hello, and I'm also joined by Sam as well. Hi, Sam. Hi there, Rick, and hi there, Tom. Hello. Hi. Oh, yes. For those listening last week, I'm Tom L. Knotts Tomstein. Yes, Tom Lovell from Redwell Games. I'm going to refer to you as Tom Lovell every time I speak to you. <laughs> just, just for clarity. Uh, this is episode two. We're going to talk about uh, a few different things today, mostly board games. A bit about the club first of all, though. Uh, we meet every Tuesday and Wednesday evening. And we also meet on uh, the first Sunday of every month as well. So that's ideal for a full day of gaming if you want to play some longer games. Now, the Wednesday meeting is at Castle Gaming, is that right? In Stocksbridge. That's right, yeah. Castle Gaming in Stocksbridge, yeah. I've never made it there. I've I've also never been. Have you been to it, Rick? Yeah, yeah. I've been a few times, yeah. Yeah. It's it's quite close to where I live, so it's easy to get to for me. Oh, cool. So twice as much gaming. Yeah, yeah. Each week. <laughs> I'm I'm jealous. I'll have to make the pilgrimage one day, though, all the way out, deep out to Stocks, Stockbridge. Okay, so we've got a, a full-packed show for you today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Roll and Write games. We've played a few of those recently, so we're going to talk about those. Uh, we're going to talk about a game called Tiny Towns, which I've played a few times. Tom's going to speak to Andrew Bussey from Glasgow Games Gathering. Sam's going to tell us what games he's been playing recently. We're going to hear from a club member about what games they've been playing. We're going to talk about some new club games that we've got in. We've got a question of the week, which is, uh, what board games do you play online? So first of all, though, uh, we've been doing other things as well. I've been to uh, a place called the Retro Video Games Market, and that was in Doncaster. Uh, they, they hold these quite regularly. Um, they, they have them sometimes in Leeds and Manchester, but it was the Doncaster one that I went to. Uh, this is a place where uh, they sell old retro video games. So they have like um, uh, old cartridges and tapes and things like that. So Spectrum stuff and things like that from the Dark Ages. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a lot really old stuff there sometimes. Uh, but they don't just sell video games. They sell like collectible stuff. They sell, um, you know, controllers, the, the game systems themselves. It's really interesting to kind of walk around and see, you know, see some of the old stuff that's that's there. Occasionally, also, they'll have board games. There is a stall on there that has like older games, collectible games, things like that. So I saw Mrs. Pac-Man, the board game. Oh, wow. <laughs> I bet that sucks. I think you'll find it bites. The original one from back in the day. Uh, I don't know when it was from, when it was made, but uh, yeah, that looked quite interesting. Uh, I, I actually bought a couple of games as well. I bought a game called Elder Sign, which is an Arkham Horror game. That's uh, a, a newer one. But that was like a, a, a bargain, that one. It was only £12, I think it was. Um, I also picked up Civilization, uh, yeah. Sid Meier's Civilization, oh, yeah. the board game. And again, that's an older one based on the Civilization games. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing those at some point. I, 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 don't know. I don't know if I'll get that played. It's uh, quite a long game, I think. It's between two and three hours. It's a big one. Yeah, it's epic. It's kind of classically one of those massive Civilization games. Um, I wanted to play it for a while. And uh, I never never found anyone with a copy, so I'll definitely uh, play that with you, Rick. But I think it's a commitment. Uh, it's 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 a long one. Yeah, I'm prepared to go for the commitment if it's a Sunday that I'm free, not at a convention. It, it is a few hours long, yeah. Uh, like I said, I've not played it yet, so I don't know what it's like. But it looks really nice. It looks like the, the video game. It's got, like, tiles where you... You know, you you have uh, different kinds of terrain tiles and different unit types and things like that. There's a, a tech tree and you can advance your civilization and get different victories. You can have like a military victory and a, a science victory where you build a rocket to the moon and stuff. So things like that. It's, yeah, it looks all right. 
if I remember correctly, there was a Civilization game before uh, the Sid Meier uh, video game, which I think was just a coincidence because Sid Meier claims that he wasn't inspired by the board game. Oh. So is yours a Sid Meier one? or Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not the one I'm thinking of then. Yeah, it's branded with his name and it's got the video game company on there as well. Oh, wow. So yeah, definitely of the time. Awesome. I'm jealous. I love I love retro game stuff. Um, I would have loved to have gone to that. Did you get to play any retro games, or was it just markets? Uh, they don't. No, they don't. Some uh, some of them that I've been to have like systems out that you can play on, but this isn't like that. This is a, a just a market, so just people selling them. Uh, they do have systems set up that you can uh, see running and demo games and things like that, but it's not really a player's. Uh, you can't really sit down and play games. Uh, there's a few like arcade machines and things like that that you can have a go on, but again, people are, are just selling them and demoing them, so. Not not really a player's one, but uh, yeah, lo- loads of all, all sorts of different things like imports, really old games right up to like fairly modern ones. Like the the newest ones I saw were like PlayStation Three and Xbox games. If you're a collector or if you like playing old old games, then yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, good day out. So, um, well, I, I was obviously at the club uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I've been on my travels, which I'll talk to you about a little bit later. I was up at Glasgow Games Gathering. Uh, on Saturday, and I was at Phoenix, um, Phoenix Lakeside War Games Expo today. I've just been chilling. We had a barbecue today because the sun is out in full force. Oppressive sunlight. Yeah, it's been fantastic, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> For the past two days, it's been, yeah, it's been amazing. Not really board gaming weather. <laughs> so we had a barbecue. No, no, yeah, exactly. It gets, oh, in this time of year, you know, if you go down to a Tuesday, it gets a bit hot in the, in the room, doesn't it? You have to open all the windows. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it does. Uh, but yeah, I've come back from the Isle of Wight Festival. I mean, this was two weeks ago now. Weather wasn't so nice then. It was absolutely pissing it down with rain on the first day, squelching through the mud. Oh, really? uh, they had to put down wood chips for the next two days. But that was incredible. Absolutely uh, enjoyed the heck out of myself. That's been my uh, my past two weeks. It's okay, so on to some games then. Um, at the uh, Tuesday meeting, we had a bit of a roll and write a uh, roll and write games are where you uh, just a bit of a description if you don't know what that is a roll and write game is where you get generally a pad and some dice and you'll take all the players will take a sheet off this pad and then you'll um, roll the dice and score some uh, some points depending on what you've rolled so uh, the, these games are becoming really really popular uh, they've obviously been around for uh, quite a while and uh, you know one of the old classic ones is Yahtzee which we've recently played oh, Sam. I oh, I didn't realize you would consider that a roll and write game but now yeah yeah all right that makes sense yeah yes but uh, they they're becoming more and more popular and it's uh, it's easy to see why which we'll probably discuss discuss soon uh, have, have you guys had a chance to play many of these types of games I played Yahtzee very recently um yeah, you against did, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rick on board game arena uh, who won Rick uh, I think that was you at that time ah oh, that's yeah. right it was me yeah. Um, yeah, but that's. <laughs> I, I wasn't really aware of what roll and write games were uh, until uh, everyone started talking about them quite recently. Um, so no, I haven't had a chance to play any of the more modern ones, unfortunately. Um, I've played Roll Through the Ages um, at some point last year, and at Aircon, I played what was it Railroad Inc. with um, Tom C. and his better half. So yeah, that was. I really liked that one actually. I thought it was a nice take on the roll and write genre. Yeah, I've, I've not played either of those, so yeah, I look forward to trying those out. Yeah, well, the good thing about um, Railroad Inc. is one person rolls the dice and all the players use the values, so you can't say, oh, they were luckier than me, they had the right dice rolls, because everyone's using the same dice roll. 
we, uh, we we played this just after the UK Expo. We played these games, so I think a few people have brought a few back from uh, from the Expo, uh, and there were a couple of there as well that people have brought in, and that's all we did. We just played these these games sort of throughout the evening. So we played four different games. Uh, the first one that we played was Quicks, uh, and this one kind of lives up to its name. It is really quick to play. It's fifteen minutes. Uh, this plays two to five players, and you get a pad and some dice, and these four rows of numbers. Two rows go from high numbers to low numbers, and then two rows go from low numbers to high numbers. And basically, you're just rolling dice, filling in boxes, uh, and you get a score at the end of it. Uh, this was really quick, and it's a, it's a good filler game. It's a really easy to to kind of play. It plays really fast, and yeah, it was a good it was a good one. Uh, another one that's a bit more recent that we played is uh, Imperial Settlers Roll and Write. So Imperial Settlers is a card game that's been been out for a couple of years now, and it's a game about sort of building up, uh, getting resources, and building buildings, and getting getting points that way. And the the roll and write game is very similar to that, very similarly themed. Uh, you, you roll dice in this one, and the dice are resources. So on the, on the dice, you don't get just numbers; you get the resources themselves. So you might get wood or stone or uh, actions that you can use. Uh, and in this one, you get two pads as well. You get a pad with the scoring elements on it that you get, uh, as unusual with these kind of games. But you also get another pad as well, which has got some buildings on that you can build up. So you use the resources to build up the buildings. Uh, this one is one to four players, so you can play this in a solo mode as well. But it plays up to four. And this one took uh, about 30 minutes, I think it was. Uh, this is a brand new one. This is from 2019 as well. And uh, yeah, quite enjoyed this one as well. Doesn't really feel like the card game very much, but um, yeah, building the buildings, putting them on your pad, scoring the points is really good fun. So is this a trend now of board games being turned into roll and write games in the same sense that a lot of board games were being turned into dice games a few years ago, or a lot of card games were being turned into dice games like Bang the Dice Game and Roll for the Galaxy? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Is this a trend? Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's an Istanbul uh, dice game as well, which is... uh, I don't know if that's a roll and write, but that's a dice game. But yeah, it seems to be a popular, a popular theme. Picking a game and then yeah, turning it into a, like a dice roll and write version. There's definitely been an influx of more people interested in roll and write games. I've heard someone's collating a book of roll and write games. Oh wow! The advantage is all you need to do is have a set of dice, and so you, the principle of the book was here are a number of different games. You just need a set of dice to do so, which. It's quite a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, I saw online in the week there's actually a roll and cut game. So you get a pad of paper, which has got all different bits to do with the park, and you cut out certain elements. And so instead of marking on with a pen, you arrange the uh-huh. different bits cut. So yeah, similar principle, but just um, applying it slightly differently, which I thought was quite cool. So. That does sound cool. Do these dice tend to have custom symbols on, or are they standard one to six pips? On on the Imperial Settlers, they are custom dice. Uh, another one that we're going to talk about shortly is Steamrollers. That has custom dice as well, but the rest of them just have normal normal six-sided dice. Railroad Inc. has got custom dice as well. So some sides are rails, some sides are roads, some sides are junctions with the two. So it's very much a case of... Um, you really need to have those custom dice to really understand what's going on. What would you say the best one that you played is, Rick? Uh, well, I, I really like Steamrollers. Uh, this one's a bit longer. Uh, it was a bit of a uh, more involved game. 
This plays between one and five players and it takes between 30 and 45 minutes. This one is, uh, you get a pad, same as before, but it's actually got hex, it's got like a hexagonal map on it. And instead of like filling in boxes and scoring points for that, you're actually trying to make a, make connections between cities. So on the map, you've got cities and the, when you roll a dice, you've got like uh, different tracks. So you've got like a straight head piece, a, a left piece and a sharp left piece or a, or a right and a sharp right. Uh, and you're basically just drawing those on the map and connecting the cities up and you're getting points that way. There's a bit more to think about because you also have like special actions that you can do where you can choose to like re-roll the dice or flip it to its other face. Uh, and you're basically picking up cubes and moving them to cities to score points. So I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Evan Evan spoke about this on the last uh, on the last podcast. Uh, and, and yeah, it was, really, it was a really good one. Do we have any roll and write games in the uh, Sheffield Board Games Club library? Not know? yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if some turn up in there. <laughs> if, yeah, one shows up. Yeah shortly okay Uh, the last game that i played was a game called welcome to uh, and this is a similar sort of thing but on this one uh, instead of having dice uh, you have stacks of cards so you you, uh you have three sets of cards and the cards will give you a pair of either an action or um, a number and you also have a pad which is similar to the other ones where you're filling in numbers and on this one you're kind of zoning an area so you've got a neighborhood uh, which is made up of houses that go in a, in a street on a row, and you're you're kind of splitting them up into into sections. You're numbering all the houses, and again, you've got uh, special actions that you can do, like you can fill in swimming pools, and they'll get you points at the end of the game. There are some like public objectives that you can go for as well, public goals that everybody's trying to get, and they help to change it up a bit as well. So you work your way through this these deck of cards filling in your pad and then you count up your points at the end uh, and this is another good one uh, this was this one actually plays from one to 100 players so oh, wow. <laughs> that that's the advantage with some of these uh, types of games is that you don't necessarily interact with other players you just see what's out on the on the uh, dice and then you just fill in your pad yeah. in the same way so it doesn't really matter how many players you have you can play you know up to like it says 100 you just need the numbers and the the actions from the cards 101 if you wanted I guess so, yeah. It says up to 100, but yeah, I guess you could... Uh... That sounds like something to aim for. <laughs> this took about 25 minutes, uh, and this is from 2018, this one. So again, a, a fairly recent one. Awesome, they sound like good fun. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what surprised me was that even though you, you're doing the same kind of thing uh, with all these four games, they, I really enjoyed them, and they, they all kind of... They all had their own feeling, not just from the theme, but the different things you were doing, whether you were building cities or, you know, how, how you scored and things like that. They all felt like their own game. They didn't feel, you know, similar. And, and it's really easy to see why they're so popular, because they were... They are all fairly quick. They're all well under an hour. Like Quicks is 15 minutes. And yeah, good fun. So I, I, I really enjoyed all these out, out of all of them. I didn't, I didn't dislike any of them. Uh, I really liked all of them. Excellent. I look forward to trying them. Yeah. No, I'd, I heard lot about Welcome too. So that's one that's on my radar for really trying to get onto the table to play myself. Another game that we played recently is a game called Tiny Towns. This is another recent one. This plays between one and six players. And it takes about an hour to play it. So in tiny towns, uh, what you're doing is you're going getting resources and building buildings. You've got um, a board in front of you. Each player has a board, which is a five by five grid. What you do is you, one of the um, one of the players calls out a resource, say glass, for example. And then what will happen then is everybody takes a glass cube, and you have to put that somewhere on your board. Uh, and eventually, what you're trying to do is make shapes out of these resources to turn those into a building. So there are some cards out and it tells you what uh, resources you need to build that building. When you've got enough to build it, you take the cubes off, put a building down, 
and then you can go for another building then and the buildings will score you different points depending on on what other buildings you've got how many there are and things like that mm. the the combinations in this are quite good because the cards that you describe the buildings are shuffled up and sort of distributed randomly at the start of the game so you don't always have the same set of buildings they're all they'll all be different each each game so sometimes you'll get the points for you know having the most of a particular type of building sometimes you'll just get straight points for you know each individual type you also get private card as well which gives you a building that only you can build at the start. So you can work towards that as well. And people don't know what that is. That's a secret, that one. Uh, it's good because you, you're always doing something on your turn. So if, if if it's not your turn, somebody else is calling out a resource and you're, you know you have to pick it up and put it on your board somewhere, but it might not necessarily be a resource that you want. So your board mm-hmm. soon fills up with these resources and buildings and then you're trying to squeeze things in. So the puzzle of trying to squeeze things in and get the right shape so you can build your buildings without having... Stuff stuck, you know, stuck all over the place that you don't really want is is quite interesting. Cool. A few things that sound cool there. Games where you have a different setup, I love those. Where you have different cards laid out, like Dominion, you get a different set of cards each time. You can start strategizing before the game even begins. Um, there's no like standard opening. There's no, you know, if you know the right way to the right thing to do on the first turn, uh, you're going to jump ahead. I like that. Yeah. The player powers. That sounds cool. Uh, and I love games that give you something to do when it's not your turn is that what you said it, yeah each yeah. turn everybody's doing something yeah you're picking up a resource that somebody else has called out and that that has to go on your board somewhere into one of these spaces yeah because i was eating whilst watching you play the other week and i liked the fact that because everyone had the same resource there was not the random element of well i had a particularly unlucky turn it was actually, you've all got the same things. It's how you deal with it. And I like what you do with them. One of the things, things I found, though, that at uh, the, the private buildings, the buildings that you build uh, that are just for you, uh, some of them will get you lots of more points than, than the other ones. <laughs> some, some are just playing better. So I don't, I'm not quite sure how balanced they are. Uh, the, the people who got the, the, the kind of best buildings and, and leveraged them the most won in a couple of the games that I've played. So I don't know how much of that is a factor. But one, one of the other things as well is it comes with like a small stack of cards. So instead of people uh, shouting out what, you know, what colour resource they want, you can actually flip over a card as well and then everybody takes a resource of that colour. That's another like another variable way of playing it. Oh, nice. And who designed this game? Uh, this is by... Aha, I, I knew you were going to ask me that, so I've wrote it down. <laughs> it's by Peter McPherson. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't know who he is, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. <me> <laughs> No, no offense to Mr. McPherson, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's he's a very talented designer. But uh, I didn't recognize the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, little wooden pieces for the buildings are really nice. Uh, you're kind of building up. Your, it's like a bit of a puzzle as well. So you're trying to you're trying to organize everything so that you, you know you're wasting spaces by having stuff there that you don't you're not going to tend to a building later on. Uh, like I said, the variability of the buildings is really good. So yeah, I really liked it. It's a good game. Well, I also I like the fact that there are some of the buildings where you're supposed to put a type of resource on them and they're cut in such a way that the resource fits nicely onto them i thought that's a, a really good touch yeah yeah there's a smart design there's a factory building where, yeah, where the cube actually sits on top of it uh, it does play up to six as well which is an advantage um it's quite difficult to find games that play you know six players without going into the party game category but uh, this is one of them because everybody's you know everybody's going at the same time it, it doesn't feel like it's you know it's here just before it's your turn again so that's good yeah good thing uh, so, Tom, uh, you've been to the Glasgow Games Gathering. Yes. Um, that's, a, that's a long way to play games. It's <laughs> it's a long way to demo games, yes. Uh, well, I've been invited um, a while back, and 
it's at the end of my Kickstarter for Six Gun Showdown, so I thought, well, I'm the UK Games Expo at the start, go somewhere at the end and try to introduce the game to new people. And I think I did, but um, I went up to Scotland on the Friday night and I didn't know what the convention was going to be like because it's mainly a miniatures convention and I've been to Chilcon in Sheffield earlier on in the year. I've been to other miniatures conventions like Triples that was based in Sheffield many years back. And you can have a very unique population amongst the miniatures war games by and large. And at Chilcon, I had some people interested in my games. And you had um, River Horse and you had Mantic that provided some board games there. And we just didn't seem to have the interest. So I had a little bit of trepidation going up to Glasgow Games Gathering. But I thought, now I'll see what it's like. Especially as the organisers had said, yes, we do miniatures, but we also play board games as part of our club, and we're aiming to have at least a good selection of board games there. So I went up, and I set my stand up, and I started looking around to see who else was there. So there was one free elephant who our Scottish-based um, independent games publisher, Sarah, from there was next to me with their three games, Microbrew, Carcosa and Awesome. You had um, Bad Cat Games with their um, first game, Elements, was there, and their recently finished on Kickstarter that I talked about last time. They had Gladiatores. You had Card and Coffee Games, and they were playtesting their new creation. Um, Mark McKinnon from Dream Big Games had his tabletop game. Now, admittedly, Reckon Ruin is a board game that's a bit like a miniatures war game, so it kind of has its feet in both camps. But you had a number of actual publishers with their board games and a few shops that sold board games as well and some that sold role-playing games. So you did have a good mix of about, I'd say, 70% miniatures, 30% other things. And there was plenty of people coming around and playing games. There was also Asmodee there. They had about four tables with their games. So you had Cobra Paw, well, Asmodee owns a lot of games, um, and they seem to be everywhere. I actually saw in John Lewis not so long ago, uh, an Asmodee rep, and I thought, wow, that's crazy. That just seemed really unusual to me. Well, Asmodee's the biggest distributor now in the UK. Since they bought up Estevium, they are now the major distributor. Because they also own Coil Spring, another distributor in the UK, I think it leaves the Asmodee family, or two of the major ones, and then the third one is... Spiral Galaxy, and that covers most of the board games distribution within the UK. So for them to be demoing at John Lewis, well, actually John Lewis is buying the games through them as a distributor, so it makes an element of sense. But they're good at what they do when they do um, the demoing. So um, it, they always seem to have fun. People seem to have fun at UK Games Expo and other places I've seen them. But it's really good in that aspect because people walked into the convention and normally at a miniatures convention, they're there for about 10 minutes having a look around. Then they spend about 20 minutes looking at the you can't play this, just watch the really pretty miniatures demonstration games going on. Another half an hour of shopping, and then they're yeah. gone. Whereas at this one, people came in, had a look around, looked at some of the demo games that they couldn't be involved in, and then spent time playing one of the many games that you can join in. 
And so instead of an in-out in about an hour affair, people staying an hour and a half, two hours, and really adding to the energy in the room, possibly there are some people there for a lot longer. And I think by having that proportion of board games and playable games available, kept people around at the convention, and it kept his energy up, I think, until about three o'clock. So, yeah, it's really good convention. Awesome. There's a bit of a divide between people who play war games and board games. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of crossover. I mean, of course, there's some, but I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever played a war game. Um, and it feels like people who play war games are really only interested in war games. Um, and similar thing with collectible card games as well. This seems like, you know, very, very separate areas with not much crossover. So it's cool that, you know, there, there were demos going on there and, and people were getting involved. How many people did you demo to? That's a good question. I think I ran about 10 to ten to 15 demo games, but my wife also ran a few demo games of my first game, Vote Me. So there was one game where there was about five or, I think about six or seven people playing Vote Me on one table. Um, and so, yes, I think I ran about 10 to 15 demo games. Some of them it's just me demoing to another person. Other times it... I was running the demo, but there's four people playing, so around two sets of two at the same time. So, good number of people coming along and enjoying the game. And then I was at the Phoenix um, Lakeland Expo this morning, just for a couple of hours, but that was on my way back from Glasgow. Stopped off at Penrith for a couple of hours before coming back to Sheffield. That was definitely a miniatures convention. I was the only person there that I could see that was demoing board games, card games. But there are still people around that are interested in playing. So in a couple of hours, I still gave about three or four demo games. And then I had to get back because I had to collect a small person from Beaver Camp. But uh, yeah, it, it was a nice convention. It was a nice place and it was well run. It was a miniatures convention and it did what it was doing pretty decently. As for what you were saying about people either being board gamers or... Um, miniatures gamers. Unfortunately, I sit in both camps because I have got hordes of miniatures and I've got hordes of board games and I did dabble in magic about 15 years ago, so I think uh, I am the anomaly that is in... I, I sit in the middle of the Venn diagram. You're everything. I, I have role-played, I've done, done the works. Um, and there are definitely some that do both, but I think you're right, we are less frequent but but still there's a portion and um, there's the one free sorry there's the unlucky for gaming guys in scotland um i know josh as if anyone listens to that podcast josh plays magic the gathering a lot you've got ben who is a brilliant painter and they clearly both play a lot of miniatures games but they also play a lot of board games so there's definitely the crossover i've got a friend dave in sheffield and he plays a lot of board games, but also we started getting, when we were friends a number of years back, we both played Warhammer and we've played War Machine with each other and also Flames of War. So there are definitely some of us that play miniatures games and play board games as well. Just might not necessarily come down to, I think, the board games club. It sounds sounds like an expensive place to be, the middle of the Venn diagram. Collectible card games and <laughs> Warhammer and miniatures. And board games. It, it's keeping control and only doing a few at a time and not 
not kind of indulging in all the one slices at a, sing- at a single no. time. Moderation. Moderation, if that's if that's possible for those of us with the cardboard and plastic addicts. <laughs> um, so I checked your Kickstarter before we started recording, and I noticed it's very close. It's it seems a lot closer than it uh, than it was when you last recorded. Uh, it's not yes. quite there yet. What are we on? Are you on about eighty five percent? Currently ninety five backers and eighty six percent. Okay, so yeah, definitely getting there. And Kicktrack says you're trending to get over a hundred by the time it ends. Yeah. So I, I think um, I'm, I'm hoping that in the next few days, you know, with if you've ever backed on Kickstarter, you know that there's a button where you can say, remind me. So there's a number of people that I'm hoping have hit the remind me button and are going to come and get their reminder in a couple of days time. They'll come and look and go, oh, look, it's nearly funded. Yeah, I'm going to back it rather than, oh, look, it's at 30%. I won't. So I'm hoping that in the next couple of days when it hits that 48 hour mark, there should be an influx of people to get it over the line. Hope it'd be nice if there's more beforehand. Yeah, it, it seems like when it gets to about ninety percent, you're you're pretty much safe. Or in, in my experience, I don't know, but it seems like when something gets to ninety percent, you have enough people coming in towards the end or wanting to push over the goal that that you, that you get to a hundred. I'm you guys probably use Kickstarter more than me. Are there many cases where people get to like you know ninety six percent or something and it, it still fails? I ha- I haven't seen it before. There is. And this is related to um, board games. There is a, a system that hit, was on Kickstarter fairly recently, and I'll look it up for the next time I'm on, where basically it helps people playing board games at a distance. And they had devices, um, it was, so it's an online program, and ways in which you could share secret cards and things like that. And they got to 90%, which was... An, and they didn't fund, but the difficulty is, I believe, the setup costs were a little bit more pricey. So if you're at ninety percent and your game costs a hundred quid, or your a minimum pledge is a hundred quid, people still think twice. I'm hoping that with a sixteen pound pledge, generally people go, yeah, I can afford that. So it's not hitting the wallet too hard. No, how do you feel about it? Do you get more, I don't know, tense about it as it gets closer towards the end of the project? Or are you feeling optimistic? I think I'd be lying to you if I said I haven't been tense since the beginning of the month. Right, yeah. Um, there, there's always some tension. There's always that, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Um, I did a small Kickstarter in February just for the promo version. And that funded very quickly. And it was only for six days, so they're still feeling tense all the way through, even though it hit funds targets, even though it did everything I was thinking, have I done the right thing? And there's so many things that you can't constantly think about. So there's definitely less tension now that I'm at the 85% than when I was at the 50-60%. But until it gets to not the 100%, but the 105-110%, yep. Uh, because people, for whatever reason, um, pull out. Oh, they can pull out, yeah. So 100% isn't safe, necessarily, because if you have someone pull out and you go from 100% to 99% in the last 30 minutes... That would be the worst. That That's frustrating. So sort of 105 110%, generally you've got a margin of safety. So yeah, it's, it's looking like it's going to be trending that way. Uh, I think there's been 105 people backed, and so I've got about 10 people pulled out already. So that's why I'm saying, 
you've just got to have that little bit extra just in case people suddenly go actually this life event has happened i can't afford to dedicate the money towards it and so that cancel so well i'm sure it'll go all right for you tom and you've been demoing literally today did you say so hopefully there'll still be people who've only just heard about it still want to get in on it how long does it go on for now uh, I think it's the 4th or 5th of July, so this week it's going to end. I also talked to Andrew Bussey from Glasgow Games Gathering um, about the event and his thoughts, and also because he's part of a um, Glasgow Games group, thought it would be interesting to see um, how their club compares to ours, so here he is. So I'm here with Andrew from the Glasgow Games Group. Yep. Um, at the end, this is the pack-up of Glasgow Games Gathering. The first one for a number of years first or one, one ever? Uh, well, first Glasgow Games Gathering, first uh, show run by ourselves. Uh, first war game show or miniature show in Glasgow for six years now. Um, there have been a few other shows. We've obviously got Glasgow Games Festival, etc. But this is the first kind of miniature-based show in Glasgow for six years. Um, run by ourselves, it was previously run by another club. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's, so far it's gone really well. Yeah. Seems to have gone really well. Well, I've enjoyed it. Um, as a miniatures uh, player and, dis- and, and cut my teeth in development as well, I've liked the miniatures. But also as a card and board game designer now as well, I thought there was a good mix of everything actually. So I, enjoy- I enjoyed it today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Glasgow Games Group then? Yeah, please. sure. Um, so we are a club in Glasgow that's been going for, well, this is our 20th anniversary this year. Wow. Although we actually think it's a wee bit longer because we can't quite tie it down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so certainly 20 years we've been going for. We were, uh, we founded originally there was 10 guys. We now have 50 to 60 guys every Tuesday night through the door. Um, we are a majority of a miniature wargaming club, probably about 80%, but there is a good core two three groups of guys who are playing board games every night um, there is uh, two steady role-playing groups at the club as well so we get a good variety um, and because we are in that lucky position of the, the club funds itself very well we are able to provide a good selection of boards scenery uh, a lot of facilities for people to use at the club um, and we felt that this has helped along with a good dose of luck to help the club grow to where it is this this uh, at this stage do you have a board games library as well? That's one of the things we have at the Sheffield Board Games Club, or just the scenery for the war games? Uh, currently, it's just the scenery for the war games. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of storage space, so the scenery takes up a lot. Uh, but um, we've got some very good board games players who uh, are very active, are very active in arranging games, and are always very welcoming to new players to say, you know, if they've got a space, yeah, sure, join in our game, all these kind of things. Um, Certainly it's something we'd like to look at. Again, it's something we'd like to look at the show. Uh, obviously today has just been traders and demo games, um, you know, but there's a, there's a lot we'd like to do with uh, with the show, given time and space. Yeah, well, I could see Asmodee were here and there's other board games people. There's One Free Elephant next to me. I could see uh, Bad Cat Games with their brand new game, Gladiatores. You had um, cards and coffee games yep. as well. So, and, and as well as plenty of other miniatures. So. Uh, do you think you'll stay in the same space next year or hopefully get bigger? What's your thoughts? I suspect we'll probably be here for probably two or three years. Let us become established. 
Um, stick with uh, stick with kind of what we've got just now. As I say, let it become established. There is some uh, a small amount of space still available here that we may look to hire to potentially do something like a small bring and buy or a small amount or a small board games library and open play space. But certainly, this seems to be a good venue. A lot of the traders have said it's it's quite easy to access in terms of motorway. It's good for uh, people travelling here. There's good links to Glasgow City Centre, all these kind of things. So. Uh, so yeah, so I can see us being here for at least a few years. Yeah, I spoke to a number of people who've just come across from Ed Edinburgh as well, and mm. so nearby. So yeah, I think you've got the good, the mix well. Um, well, I would like to say, you know, I, I, I really appreciate, you know, guys like yourselves coming up. Um, I understand, especially for people who are further down and further south in the country, it's it's a lot greater ask because it's not just a few hours in a car, it's it's travel time, it's overnight stays, all these kind of things. Um, we hope that uh, we can continue to grow in the success and that it will just, uh, and, it'll, and that in future years we'll have more and more to offer. Yeah, well, I've enjoyed it. It's been useful for me to see how things are done differently. So it felt, as I said earlier, different to just a straight miniatures setup. It felt like there was a lot of miniatures, but also a good number of board games as well. And also that was exemplified with the traders. You had some with miniatures, games, and also board games yeah, on sale. Yeah. So yeah. thank you very much for your time, Andrew, and uh, good luck with the tidy up. I'm about to escape to the pub. <laughs> thank you very much, Tom. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Uh, is, it, is the Glasgow Games Gathering, is that a, a regular thing? Is it a, a, going to be an annual event? I think event? they're going to have it as an annual event. They've got to obviously look at the numbers. This is the first year they've run it. So, yeah, there was something that they that was run a few years back. But this is the first year that that particular thing's been running. There's other events in Glasgow, but not one that's got a lot more of miniatures focus. But they're going to look at the numbers. I suspect that it'll be running again next year based on my observation of the numbers of people there and the energy. But they've listened to people and they've taken advice from other people. One of the nice things that they've done, and they've stolen, and they admit they stole it from the guys who do Chilcon, is they've got a card where you go in, everyone who attends gets a card, and if you spend £10 at a trader, you get a red sticker, if you spend, if you have a demo game with someone, you get a purple sticker and you need to fill in two or three red stickers and two or three purple stickers. And if you do that, then I think you get 10 pounds, you either get entered into a prize draw or you get 10 pounds value to spend somewhere. So there's that, um, incentive to engage with people. And I thought that was a really nice um, way of doing things and it, um, and because there's plenty of demo games available, a number of people had fairly full or even completed um, cards that I saw. So, yeah, very good incentive to get people playing and trying games, but also spending their money with the traders. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put some links in the show notes so people can look there for some more information if they want it. Okay, so coming up next, we've got Dave and Paul, who are club members, and they've been playing Tokyo Highway so let's hear from them. What's your name, please? Uh, I'm Paul. And what are you playing today? Um, we've been playing Tokyo Highway. Uh, what's it about? Uh, it's a dexterity game. Um, 
in which we are building uh, roads uh, emulating Tokyo without uh, making a complete terrible hash of things. Uh, the objective for each player is to build roads either above or below the roads of your opponent, and you score points based on how many of them you manage to cross over in any given turn. Uh, and who won? I won, yes. <laughs> the pop. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed hearing from that member. Yeah, thanks to Dave and Paul for that clip. Now, Sam, we played a couple of board games online not long ago. Yeah, uh, so we had a go um, on Board Game Arena, which is, uh, it's, I, I believe it's the biggest um, online uh, way you can play 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 these board games. There are some others. Uh, there's one called Boite which is a French one. There's a Yucata. Um, and of course, uh, you know, the bigger publishers, they release their apps and versions on Steam. Um, but in terms of the number of games, the number of players, uh, Board Game Arena, I believe, is the biggest one. So uh, we played a game of Tokaido, uh, the kind of quite relaxed game of taking a journey across uh, Japan, meeting people, eating good food, uh, resting at a nice inns, taking in the sights uh, and scoring points. I think this is the best way to play this particular game, at least, because I've played it quite a few times on Board Game Arena. Um, it goes really quickly. It takes like, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes maybe yeah, to play all yeah, the way through yeah. to the end. Um, it's not like a super deep game. Uh, so you kind of want it to go forward at a nice clip, you know? Whereas if you're playing at a table, you've got to be fiddling around and, you know, with components and you've got people taking longer to take their turns generally. Yeah. Um, so it tends to drag, you know? It's like 45 minutes to play uh, at, at the table, um, 15 minutes online. So uh, that that's one reason I do appreciate playing games online. It's been able to play games faster, the computer deals with, you know, the bookkeeping, um, get to play them more often. You don't have to actually meet up as a group. That's, that, to me, is the big advantage of playing games online. I, yeah, you don't get the social aspect as much, though, you know, when me and Rick played, uh, we played with with voice chat, um, which was nice, but usually you're just playing against strangers. You've just got text chat, but no one uses it a great deal. So you lose the social aspect, uh, but... I, I still appreciate playing games just for their inherent value, for their strategic value. Um, and so I, I still I still enjoy playing games online, even though, you know, you don't don't get the social aspect. Yeah, yeah. I, I was quite impressed how all the rules and everything were all kind of built into it. So you can't do anything wrong or, you know, make a mistake or anything. You uh, It tells you, uh, you know, when it's your turn and it's got uh, hints as well. So you can like hover your mouse over the like, certain cards and it'll tell you what the icons mean and things like that. That's really good. Yeah, quicker than flicking through the rule book, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's designed so the computer deals with that side of things for you. And I, and I was impressed with the range of games as well. There were quite a lot of uh, different types of games on there. There's Love Letter, Seasons. Uh, I saw, I think I saw Terra Mystica on there as well. Uh, all sorts of different games, really. Werewolf you spoke about. How does a social deduction game work if people aren't talking and being so social? Well, they chat over text um, to begin with, and they give away the information that uh, they've received. So if you're you know, the seer and you see one of the cards, you can talk about it. You can still lie, but it's really all over, over text rather than, uh, you know, rather than nice. voice in person. So, so you don't need to have a good poker face then? No, yeah. <laughs> Although <laughs> I played one game of Werewolf yesterday. Um, I was a werewolf. Uh, we played the first night, we killed one of the villagers, and then immediately the uh, text chat filled up with, it's Sam, kill Sam, 
Sam's the werewolf, kill Sam. And like <laughs> almost unanimously, I was killed. So I don't know quite what I did wrong. I didn't realize, um, you know, there's some way of giving your, yourself away. I guess it's because someone was the seer. They saw I was the werewolf, but everyone believed him. Anyway, so that was that was my one game of werewolf. Um, I don't know, maybe not the best game to play online. Not the best example, but there are there are lots of options on Board Game Arena. Um, huge selection. Uh, what do we see? Yeah, um, there really are. There's loads of different games, isn't there? I, I haven't played anything as heavy as Terra Mystica. As I, it's still going to take, you know, two hours, isn't it? Or longer. I, I guess it'll be quicker than the than the real game. Yeah. Uh, as, as, you, as you mentioned before, there's kind of a time limit on your, uh, on your turn-taking, isn't there? And um, you, you don't have to worry about you know, putting pieces down and messing around with tokens and things like that. It does it all for you. So I'm guessing it will be quicker. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good option if you like those kind of games, I think. Yeah, a setup and teardown can take a wee while. Do they have games mm. such as the legendary things, where the um, where you're doing all the um, deck building and so on? I haven't seen any deck builder games on there. Uh, I've seen lots of deck building apps, so you can get um, Star Realms and Ascension. Uh, I don't know if Thunderstone is there's the, the Dominion. There's a Dominion app, I believe. Isn't Dominion a deck builder? Or oh, it's the app, isn't it? Not on, yeah, because that's what I found with trying to play a legendary game the other day it's just getting all the cards together is a pain so yeah. you've got 15 minutes of working out your different sets of cards and getting all together and shuffled and then at the end taking them apart so that would really seem to want to fit quite nicely as an online option yeah, in Legendary and Dominion especially, where the cards um, go into sp- into groups. You know, it's something like Star Realms, they will just mostly go into a trade deck. There's not a lot of sorting out at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, putting away Legendary or Dominion at the end of a game is, is a pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've played Keyforge online through the Crucible uh, site, and it was very useful for me because I've got a couple of decks um, end of last year. I hadn't had a chance to play it, and so played it online, and I got to learn the basics that way. Uh, and then I went to a sealed deck event run by Patriot Games in Sheffield, and so I could start playing with other people that played before, and mostly know what I was doing. Um, but um, after that, sort of around about February, March time this year, I'd been playing Crucible, but discovered you had a prevalence of particularly powerful decks, and I think... A lot of people go on to Crucible now wanting to try out so many other people's decks, but particularly the powerful ones and just have this desire to win more. I only ever use my decks to try and see what they're like, but it did feel like I was seeing a lot of horseman decks, for example, and some very quite tricky to beat decks, and it looked like they're probably more powerful. I could be casting aspersions here, but... um, the other attitudes I found was when you were in a very strong place to win, the number of people that just went, well, I'm not going to see it through to the end, I'm just going to quit out now, or I'm going to stop playing, rather than go, yeah, I'm probably going to lose, but I'll continue, they just go, nah, gone. Yeah, you get punished for that in, in board game arena. You can't just leave a game or you, your reputation goes down, um, which and you kind of have to have something like that. And video games have the same thing. You get punished for leaving a game early because it's no fun for the uh, the other person. Uh you can't do that in real life, can you? You can't just say, fuck it and leave the leave the pub. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can flip the table, but generally you get a reputation. Sure, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, what, what you mentioned about getting some practice in, that's a good point. Uh, if, if you want to sort of play the game in real life, it's a good uh, 
uh, it's a good way of kind of learning the game and you know learning intricacies of it all the ins and outs of the different uh, different ways and strategies that you can that you can play it before you actually go and go and play it in real life I guess yeah well my other experience was oh, four or five years ago I was playing X-Wing online through the Vassal program which and had the X-Wing add-on and it was against someone I played on um, uh, on a club night in Sheffield um, and so it's someone I knew and we were talking online but I struggled with the interface and it was just my first time for using it so I think that was part of it but taking something where I'm used to playing miniatures games and have um, a visual eye for it I was really struggling with the online element of judging distances and turns and things like that so there is how, how does it how does it display where the ships are and everything then is it like a top-down map or is it 3d or you do have a 2d map and it's obviously very accurate but you kind i found that i'm now used to gauging distances visually on a table and i think i just hadn't got that same level of training to work out how it is on the representation on a computer screen. I suspect, had I played it a few times, that I'd have, quote-unquote, got my eye in and could then start to estimate the distances a lot better. Um, I think I got my ass handed to me, but the, the electronic dice rolls followed my normal dice rolls and the dice just hated me and I kept on rolling poorly. But, you know, that's what happens. Uh, we we do have a few club members that are really good at X-Wing though, so yeah, they, they do play quite a bit. We've got some, yeah, devotees. So don't, don't, feel, don't feel too bad about, too bad about that, yeah. <laughs> so Crucible and Vassal, these are take unofficial uh, versions of the game. Um, so Crucible is definitely unofficial. Vassal is not just X-Wing. I think you can play, I think it's many for miniatures games, so I believe there was a War Machine add-on and other miniatures games. And so certain amounts of the rules you needed to know, so it wasn't totally automated. Yeah. But there were bits that were, and so it just gave you a 2D space that you could play in your games on. The, one of the good things about the web-based ones as well is the uh, the one that we played, the board game arena. Uh, I think I've played that on a tablet before as well, so you don't have to be sat like at a computer with a you know a keyboard and a mouse. You can just play it online yeah. with a tablet as long as you've got internet access. No, that's good. Uh, Takado has its own app as well. It's got its own uh, downloadable app that you know from, you can buy from the stores. Ah. Uh, so I played that a couple of times. That's that's quite good. That's interesting. So uh, yeah, they have uh, the game on the board game arena, but also an app that you pay for. You'd think they'd only want you know they'd, they'd want people to go to the app, but I suppose having it on board game arena is like like advertising to buy either the the full game or the app yeah perhaps. and uh, it, it seemed quite popular on there as well because there, there were myself and, and you playing Sam and we also had a couple of uh, other people join in as well yeah. so it's not like they're um, you know the, the ch- uh, rooms are empty and there's nobody on there there are people you know playing these games on there yeah they fill up quickly even the, I mean I think Takaido is one of the more popular games um, but even the even the less popular games you tend to get people joining them uh, very quickly uh, I wish there were digital versions of all games to be honest but I think collectible card games and miniatures games you don't see them as often uh, I, I guess because the uh, the physical versions are so lucrative they don't want to push people to the to the digital versions you do have some CCGs and you do have you can have the electronic versions of what you physically bought and you kind of have an electronic wallet as a, and a physical wallet 
and you have things such as Hearthstone, which is a CCG, but it's completely electronic as a CCG, don't you? So... Yeah, there's Magic the Gathering that has a couple of uh, digital versions, and you can buy cards. I don't know if... Uh, I wonder what the price difference is between buying a deck on like Magic the Gathering online between buying them in person. Um, you'd hope it's cheaper, but you know who knows. Um, but uh, Fancy Flight, I, I wanted an online version of Netrunner for a long time because I felt I could never play enough Netrunner, or at least not enough to get good at it. Um, and that that never happens. And I think I think they've lost the license or something now because they've stopped making uh, new Netrunner decks. Yeah, the license has gone back to somebody else now. So, yeah, you'll see Netrunner again, just not through... Not through Fancy Flight. That's a shame. Um, But uh, they have released a a version of their Lord of the Rings living card game online, or at least I think it's soon to be released. Um, So hopefully other, other CCGs will follow suit. I know that you've got some independent games as well. So Assembly by Rem Games, one of the co-designers, um, Stu, he wrote, he learned how to code and used that to write um, a, an, an electronic version of Assembly, which you can buy. Wow. So, so that was actually written by one of the designers as well. So it requires sort of either certain skills uh, when are we getting the app version of uh, Six Gun Showdown? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so because you'd have your phones in front of you, and then like the phone screen when you first turn over a, a gun would become like a button that the other person would have to like reach over the table and press. That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, get on that, Sam. We need uh, yeah. we need a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, if anyone knows how to code and is prepared to sort of give me a call, then yeah. Um, but. Yeah, unfortunately, the only code I know is DNA code rather than electronic code. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed playing online, and uh, like you say, I think uh, I think for me it probably was a bit of that social social contact with it, with but because we we, uh, we we were on chat as well, that that kind of helped a little bit. I think playing if you're just playing like a faceless random person off the internet, I'd probably rather play you know like a, a video game or something yeah that's true but, uh, definitely if it's people you, you you know or that um you know you can talk to that that makes it a bit more uh, a bit more personal that's definitely the other thing is if you're going to play a digital game why not just play a video game um mm. it's a good question i suppose being a board game club we should uh big up the uh, the advantages of actually coming to the club and playing in person uh, a little bit. Um, so yeah, as much as I love digital games, I do of course love playing with everyone at the club. Love playing with you guys. Um, that y- you lose you lose something playing digitally. Yeah, I think there's that that interaction. That's one of the things I like when I'm at conventions and demoing pe- people is that interaction with people and. For me, when I'm demoing, one of the best bits is I've given someone a demo, they've played their first two rounds of the game, they've played it for five minutes, and you can then see as their eyes change and they've gone, I now know what I'm doing and I'm now planning my next move. You can see that change in that social interaction with people. And I think that's my draw to playing tabletop games, whether cards or board games or miniatures games, is that interaction with people. I think that's most valuable bit so however good things get electronically often you're missing out some of that social interaction which i think is a shame that's a good conclusion mm-hmm. yeah okay let's let's talk about these games then because i i chose these specifically because i played hanabi with uh rick uh, and i played dice summers uh with tom so i thought it'd be a good 
good chance to talk about these games. Um, Hanabi was really funny. So what I wanted to do uh, when we were playing Hanabi is get a recording of, of what we were playing uh, and play that during the podcast and say, try and guess what game we're playing. <laughs> and what the listeners would have heard was, oh my God, what, what the fuck? Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would have said, so any guesses what game we were playing? And then I would have played the rest of the clip and it would have been like, um, you've got, uh, these two cards are fours. And everyone would have been like, Hanabi? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> this was a very intense game of Hanabi uh, that we played yeah. um, with, with, with Angelo, who's uh, very serious about giving good clues. <laughs> so each time we gave a clue, we all kind of looked around at Angelo. And yeah. he's like, uh, is that okay? Yeah, is that all right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that, that one's okay. It went on forever. It went on way longer than it should have done. Um, and Hanabi should be uh, like a short, you know, 10-minute game to give a quick explanation. Hanabi, the clever thing about Hanabi is that you take your cards, you've got four cards in your hand, but you don't look at them, you face them away from you. So it's the other people in your group uh, that can see the cards in your hand. And they're having to give you clues um, on each of their turns uh, that allows you to work out what you've got and what order you should play these cards to the table. Um, so, which is genius. It's such a brilliant idea for a co-op game uh, that you can't see your cards and everyone has to help you work out what they are uh, in order to win win as a group. I absolutely love it. Yeah, very clever game. Uh, but this one, yeah, it, it went on a little bit too long. Um, <laughs> it was quite an intense, uh, an intense game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But it, it uh, we we didn't do too bad, I think, for uh, for for some beginners. Like I, I played it once before, maybe. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, yeah it was quite. Um, uh, I found it quite difficult trying to remember, you know, what you got in your hand. Yeah. Uh, you have to keep the card. You can put the cards in any order, but you have to remember these two are blue and this one's a red. Uh, this one's a five or whatever it might be. Uh, trying to keep track of that is 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 quite tricky. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was a good game, and uh, yeah, like you say, the, the the tension and you know the the energy that's in there is great. And the oh, like almost the dramatic irony of um, someone holding up their hands and saying, uh, "I think this one is red, and these two are twos, and everyone is just looking at you, thinking, "No, that's that's not right." <laughs> but you can't say anything. Yeah, that, it's really that, that's one of the uh, that's one of the downfalls of the game. I think is that uh, the rules on what what clues you can give are, are a bit. Um, because it's obviously a social game, you, you you know when people say, "Oh, this one's definitely red," and, and everybody groans, yeah, yeah. You, you're kind of giving away information there that you shouldn't really be giving away. And you know you can give information about uh, the color of the card and what number it is and how many you've got and things like that. But it is quite strict in what what rules you're allowed to give and what you're not. But sometimes you you give away a bit more than that. So I, I don't know if there's a way to counter that or. or well, you anything, could play but, it digitally, uh, couldn't you? If you wanted a perfect game, that's true, that was just yeah. about giving clues. But I think. You know, that social aspect of trying to keep a poker face or trying not to give anything away is part of the fun of it. It's what makes yeah, it yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, I think that added to the game. Yeah, yeah, it made it uh, a lot more interesting. We had people walking past saying, oh, well, why don't you just why don't you just look at each other's cards? You know, because we were giving too much <laughs> away, or like on our faces or, or, or in how we reacted. But, yeah. you know, come on, <laughs> give us a break. The unintentional cheating kind of thing yeah yeah exactly yeah well yeah that's what i mean it's it's not really cheating as such is it but it kind of it yeah it's, it's a kind of gray area i think Bending i've actually seen a different version of this game played as well there's one where you can get like little tiles instead of cards oh, yeah. 
So you can put the tiles like in front of you and you just leave them there. So you don't have to like hold the cards up or anything and they show what you're... Okay, and is that is that Hanabi or is it a different game that has the same... Oh, it is yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same game. It's the same okay. name. Yeah, yeah. Just a different version, I think. I don't think there are... A lot of, a lot of co-op games don't really feel very cooperative uh, when someone you know one person will take charge that's that's kind of a common complaint with with co-op games mm, yeah. um and they don't yeah they they don't always feel like you're really helping each other you're just kind of almost playing uh, perhaps like a solo game but split into parts do you know what i mean whereas this is a, a sort yeah. of game where it really feels like a, a cooperative experience um so that's what i played with you rick i played uh dice summoners uh with you yes. tom and where where did you get this game? So I met at UK Games Expo 2018 um, a trio of lovely Irish bods, um, which are Decking Awesome games. And Decking Awesome. I tried their game out, and and I thought, yeah, this is a bit of fun. So I backed it um, when it came out to Kickstarter in autumn last year, uh, and it showed up. I think. It was, I think it was May time. It might have been April, I can't remember, but fairly recently. And so I've now played it three times, but unfortunately it's just the balanced setup each time. Mm. So I'd like to play it with some of the um, other card variants. Um, it's a, a dice building game is how they've crafted it. And I, th- I think it's got a nice mechanism to it, the way that you set up your cards and you've got a certain number of creatures and the creatures provide you with dice and then you roll however many dice you've got available and you can then use them to either activate some of the powers by the creatures or use them to cast some of the spells you've got. The spells that you start with are to either get new creatures or you can um, learn new spells or to learn a curse or a... I can't remember what's name, I think it's um, an an omen or so it's basically a positive aura that's the word aura, aura that's what it's called yeah it's an aura and a hex um and the game that we played um used the balance setup but it got it was a bit slow and then it ended in a flurry of attacks because i think we both went on a we're going to build our engine up we're going to build our engine up right it's at its maximum let's just try and smack the opponent as hard as possible um so i think next time i want to try playing I'm just going to do a little bit of engine building, but just try attacking my opponent early or different ways of playing the game rather than just um, build up, build up, build up, build up, three blows and then someone's on the floor. It seems that that, well, it definitely seems like that was the right way to do it. And I don't know because I've only played the game once, which means I haven't really played it at all because I didn't know what I was doing. But the yeah. way we the way we did it, um, or the, the way the game works, is that you each time you buy a monster, you also get a new dice to add to your pool. And that dice is going to allow you to do more each turn. And so the engine building is kind of getting as many dice as you can. Um, but if you don't do that, if you choose your di- to use your dice to do something other than getting more dice, uh, it feels like you would be left behind. Um, that's the that's the impression I got. Yeah, I'd agree with you to a certain extent that you want to at least get a new creature each turn. But I think there could be that as long as I use two of my values to get a creature, yeah, I can possibly use my other dice to do some attacking. So, or or to build my defenses up or something. So, 
I love the idea of the game. Um, I kind of thought about it as, uh, yeah, a deck builder with dice. And I know there are lots of games that describe themselves as like dice builders. You know, there's that Marvel one. Um, I haven't played uh, any of them, I don't think. This, I think this is a slightly different setup, which is that what you're buying is not dice. You're buying cards and then you're rolling. You, you do get dice as well, but you're rolling the dice and then you're putting them on yeah. your cards to activate the cards. So you've got the randomness of a deck builder. Um but instead of that randomness coming from drawing cards from a deck, it's the dice rolls. And you're adding yeah. cards. You know, the cards you add are like the options you have to... And you can choose what you're doing with the um, values each time. So there's always that choice option. There's a bit of randomness, but there's a lot of choice, isn't there? I think it's very cool, the idea. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like it could be more developed. I feel like there will be other games that use the same mechanism in the future, which will take it further and also be a little prettier as well because <laughs> this yeah. game had kind of quite quite basic artwork in terms of the monsters. Yeah, I think be, being hypercritical, I think they could have done with having a few different backgrounds. So it was the you know spells of beige, creatures of brown, or but there was a lot of similarity to the backgrounds and maybe a bit more variety of, well, actually, this is a sort of a velvety red and this is a brown, and this is a blue, kind yeah. of, to keep that a little clearer visually. Everyone's um, got their own preferences for artwork, and so I can understand where they went to with the artist and that art style. And I, But for a first game, I thought, actually, they've got some nice ideas, and sometimes you've got to start somewhere and learn from that to build something better for game number yeah. two and game number three. Um, of course. It has to exist badly before it can exist well. And they have made a game, and it did feel original. Um, and yeah. it was it was all right. I just hope they... Well, I hope they make another one, or someone else makes another one, and goes even further with it. Well, I spoke to um, Brian, Owen, and Kira at UK Games Expo, and they're definitely working on new things. But obviously, this is their first game out there, so... They're now learning the elements after you've made a game of getting it into shops, getting people to buy it, to then move to the next stage of it. So, but it's good that there's three of them, and they're de I know they're developing new things as well, and will certainly learn from their experience of making their first game. Um, so, the last game I was going to talk about was Mage Knight. Just very quickly, uh, I'll insist on being quick because if I tried to explain the rules to this game, we would be here for the next two hours. <laughs> it's a very big, deep, complex game. It's made by Vlada Schwartel. I think that's how you Bless pronounce you. his name. Um, who's, who's awesome. I love him. He's my favorite designer by far. He, he is known for making quite, you know, quite complex games, board games with big rule books. Um, and I think this is his most complex. Uh, it's uh, kind of like an RPG in board game form. You take control of a mage and you go questing across the land, killing monsters, getting experience points. You know, a certain number of experience points, you get new abilities. Um, you can play it cooperatively or competitively. Uh, I think I enjoy the cooperative game we played more. Um, but you, you can play it both ways. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I, I basically really love this game. It, it's got Elements of deck building, you've got spells and abilities which make up your deck um, and you draw them on your turn and those are like the cool things you can do to kill monsters and take over castles um, and draw mana from the earth. Um, get stronger as you go and then you go off and, and, and fight dragons. There's a huge book of campaigns 
which tell you what the goal is for each scenario. Uh, it might be, you know, kill a certain number of dragons, take over a certain number of castles, uh, score a certain number of points, whatever. Um, it's a long game. Uh, we've played so far the most basic co-op scenario and the most basic competitive scenario. Um, and I think they both took like, oh, so we started at like half seven and I think we finished, you know, close to, uh, close to 11. So we're talking about three and a half hours. Um, so they're pretty, and these are the most basic scenarios. So to play like the more complex ones, I think you're talking like all day. Like this is something you would set a day aside for. Um, and, and I've said before, like, I'm not really a big fan of, of long games. You know, I, I couldn't sit through a whole game of Twilight Imperium. Well, I've, I have sat through a whole game of Twilight Imperium and I didn't like it. So a game that can keep me <laughs> invested for, you know, three hours, four hours, I think is an excellent game. And this is definitely the game that does that. If you are going to play a game like that, it, it doesn't really work at the club because we arrive at the club at seven and they close at, uh, is it half Half 11? I think so, yeah, half 11. Half yeah. 11. So with setup, with explanation, um, and just with table space as well, because we've only got so many boards, and this one this one is a big game. You can't really fit those long games in. Um, you could on a Sunday. You know, if you were to go down to the Red Deer on a Sunday, we play from uh, half 12, pretty much until the pub closes. Um, or you can arrange games with other people. Uh, on the forum, we've got a special forum dedicated to you know, arranging games with people outside of club nights. Um, so I play this outside of a club night. It's, it's the sort of game that uh, you need to do that for, I think. Have either of you played Mage Night? No, it sounds epic, though. I've seen pictures of it before, and it really came to my attention because um, as this, you know, I heard what had happened at Origins um, this year, and it was inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, yep. along with Apples to Apples. So I've played Apples to Apples before, and it's nice. Very different games. Fun. But it's the case. So, yeah, from what you're saying, it's definitely apples and oranges almost, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, um, but it de- sounds like the kind of game that I'd, I'd definitely be intrigued to play. Because um, uh, I do, you know, it's, it's nice having like games. It's nice having games that are sort of either half an hour or sort of an hour and a half. But also other ones that have got a bit of teeth to them and can get into. Um, yeah, sounds good. How uh, how resilient are you to long games, Tom? Can you play five, six hour games um, without getting fidgety? I've got Arkham Horror Second Edition. That always used to take a wee while. So um, and yeah, and I've played sort of day long tournaments where you sort of play three games in the space of a day. So I think I can do get a day's worth of gaming. I've got the endurance from things that way. So yeah, I think I can cope. I think this is the one that you can solo as well. You can play it on your own. Is that right, Sam? You can, yeah. Um, I haven't played it that way. I don't know how it would, uh, how it would work out. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how I feel about so- solo games. Uh, kind of for the same reason that you brought up earlier, is if you're going to play a solo game, why not just play a video game? That's my personal uh, feelings about it. But I've, to be honest, I've never tried. I don't think I've played a single solo game. It would be a lot of faffing wouldn't it yeah yeah i think so i, I i'm in the same boat yeah, yeah. And... i don't know if it, yeah. it, it could be you know get all, get all the stuff out and then put it all away again there's, there's no app version of uh, major night then is it purely just a board game currently no i don't think there's a don't think there's an app version right if you're playing your own you don't have anyone to high five at the end either <laughs> or someone to shout at if, if you're playing competitively um no there should be there should be an app there isn't but uh it's a game that would benefit from it 
Yeah. So we, uh, if you didn't know already, uh, the club has its own small library, and we 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 add games to it every now and then, uh, just to give uh, players a, a bit more choice. So if you, if you turn up to the club and you don't have a game to play, you can always play one of the uh, one of the cl- club games. Uh, so I've added quite a few recently with uh, with people going to the expo. They brought a few back with them. So, for example, we've added Spyfall uh, Augustus. That's one that I've played recently at the club. We uh, we actually played that one. That's the Roman Bingo one. That's a good fun. Uh, that plays up to six players. Yeah, Roman Bingo is exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hanabi, which we've already talked about. Colt Express. That's the train one, isn't it, where you, 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 you're playing cards to pick up uh, money and gems yes. and things like that. It's got the nice 3D train, right? So you know, you can see... Yeah. It's a 3D train and You know when someone's playing that, you can see it across the room. Forbidden Desert, is that one of the Matt Leacock games? Uh, is it? That's a good question. Oh yeah, Forbidden Desert, sure. yeah. It is, yeah. That's the, that's the cooperative game where you're kind of stuck in a desert and you have to find, uh, you have to find pieces of your machine to fly out of there, I think. Yeah, I've played that a couple of times. That's a good game. Um, the also Sushi Go, uh, which um, yeah, that's a really nice filler. And did, did you speak about that on the podcast yeah, that we've, we actually yeah we've talked about th- that we released or was it just a yeah. test? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, hey, that's my fish, uh, which is like a really nice, simple area control game. I've only um, played that once, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was quite a while ago, so I'd be I'd be interested to play this again. This is one where you can like cut people off, can't you? I don't know if you've played it, Sam. Have you tried this one? Yeah, I have. So the um, the board is made up of individual tiles. Uh, you have penguins. Um, each of the tiles has fish on, which are your points at the end. And each time you move a fish, you take away a tile. So like the ice is melting beneath your your, your fish characters, basically. Um, yeah, very 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 simple, but also kind of clever. And yeah, uh, it is. It, it kind of looks a bit like a kids' game, but when you come to play it, it it's quite ruthless because you kind of. When, when you pick up a tile and you're taking these things away, you're cutting people off and you're cutting the board into like sections that, and yeah. you, you can't like jump over, you know, a, a tile that's been removed. So yeah, playing with the kids, I feel, and you trap them in a corner on you know two pieces of ice or whatever, and they've got no more fish to get. I feel like that could cause some <laughs> some upsets. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it, yeah, I'd be quite interested to try this again. Um, Bonanza is uh, a trading game, I suppose. Mainly, uh, it's about collecting beans and trading with other people to get the right beans into your hand. Um, what's really clever about this one is that uh, you get your hand and you're not allowed to reorder the beans. You have to plant them in that order. And so basically, you have to trade cards out of your hand in order to get cards uh, into your hand in the right order so that you can plant them. Um, so you don't, you know, so you, you, you farm most efficiently. Um, that's really cool. Uh, and then the wild card, uh, the one that game I've n- not even heard of, um, Fast Flowing Forest Fellows. Uh, can anyone enlighten us on that? Nope, no idea on that one, I'm afraid. It sounds like a tongue twister to me. No, not played it. It, it is a game by... Um, help me out, Rick. It's the guy who designed Power Grid. Friedman Fries. Yes, of course. Um, which is why... It's 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 F's. Oh yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Fast flowing forest fellows. That's his one of his trademarks. Um, I don't know anything about this one. No, no, me neither. So that's that's the end. That's the end of that. <laughs> Something to test out before the next podcast. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll get back to you on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> These are all like new to the club, and most of them are uh, you know classics. 
uh, classic gateway games um, that, that I think most people have played before. Uh, that was just a bit of an odd one out. Um, and yeah, I think these are coming down to the club uh, if they're not there already uh, in the next week or so. Yeah. Uh, so if uh, if you fancy fancy joining us, you don't have any games or you, you know you don't don't want to arrange one on the forum, feel free to just come down, uh, pick one out of the club library, and uh, and get started. Absolutely. Yeah, there's plenty of good ones to choose from, aren't there? Yeah, it's a really awesome selection, actually. Um, and I think Carl got these, like, super cheap. Uh, I think he paid £100 for all of those games. So that's, like, I think, are there 11 games there? So, you know, less than £10 per game. This was at the UK Expo uh, Bring and Buy. Um, so brilliant deals. I haven't seen them yet. Maybe they're, like, in terrible condition and they're missing pieces. <laughs> no instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's my fish with no fish. Yeah, you don't get any fish. Okay, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We would love to hear your questions, comments, anything you'd like to send us. So you can contact us by email, which is sheffieldboardgamers at gmail.com. The forum is www.sheffieldboardgamers.com. You can contact us on Facebook. And uh, Tom, why don't you give us your details, please? So, yes, um, I am Redwell Games, so you can find me on Twitter at Redwell Games and Facebook at Redwell Games, and also www.redwellgames.com. Um, and I also do turn up to um, Sheffield Ball Gamers um, infrequently when I'm in the midst of demoing games. So I think over the summer, once Six Gun's done, I'll be along more frequently, and I also go to the monthly playtesting session at the Treehouse of the second Wednesday of every month. So you'll always find me hanging around there playing the newest games and helping people out when they're designing their new stuff as well. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, And we will speak to you again soon. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. See you later. Goodbye.